When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Well, just like Mike Williams, I also have put on 11 pounds so far this offseason. You're looking good, man. Looking, looking fit. Thank you. Uh, also with Mac. How you doing, Redcasters? I'm just uh, going with the inspiration of Elizabeth Swaney and just doing enough just to get some points tonight. Not crash. <laughs> uh, that's the Hungarian... She's an Olympic the, hero. Yes, that's right. Determination. It's the American-Hungarian way. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, that's fun to say, American-Hungarian. That's right. That's right. The Santino um, Panico of, of the Olympics there. Women's yes. half-pipe, yes. Uh, all right, putting in work. Joke. Look it up if you don't know about it. She puts um, in work. Uh, also with Boomer. I just like to thank the uh, good friends at the uh, Big Ten Network's graphics department for opening up a whole new realm for Husker trivia with our uh, time in the Big East that I never knew existed back in the sixties. I did see that. Yes, we uh, what won twelve games apparently in the Big East in nineteen sixty five sixty six. Little did we I, know. I, 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 the Big East didn't know either, I, as far as I can tell. I don't think uh, you know, Georgetown or others even uh, would have known that we were in. Uh, we need uh, to start Big claiming some titles from back then, apparently. Ninja so. Conference titles are cool, man. That's a yeah. neat one. Yeah. That's, a, that's another inside joke, unless you're watching closely to the graphics at the uh, end of the, um, the Husker game a couple days ago where we won our 12th, 12th game, and they told us that it was the second time it was done. And referenced the 1965-66 Husker team, but instead of giving us the Big Eight, they said we were in the Big East. All right, good stuff, guys. We dove deep, deep tracks there on the hot takes. I like that. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, some Nebraska ball. The Huskers, uh, after uh, Mac joined the bandwagon, finally actually did lose a game. Uh, unfortunately, uh, to one of the worst leagues in the team, the Fighting Illini of Illinois took us down. Uh, but we did bounce back quickly here and beat Indiana at home last last night, I guess. Uh, guys, uh, what, what's your take? Obviously, the NCAA uh, hopes have been hurt. I don't think the bubble's been burst, though. Uh, what's the initial read? Boomer, you probably know most about RPI and stats, etc. What, what are we looking like right now? Well, we're just kind of took a small step back with that Illinois loss. We're kind of hovering right in the upper 50s. I think we're right about at 60 last time I checked in the RPI. <clears throat> Definitely not a good loss, not one you had, wanted to have. Probably the, the worst team we could have lost to, I think, out of the ones that were remaining. One of the worst. Think, as far, yeah. It's the worst loss of the year, right? Was it really was. Just such a, it's such a disappointing game overall. And that really just kind of totally takes away any margin for error that we have left this season. You really have to have everything else fall your way, I think. you gotta, you've got to win out. There's no question. You, we beat Indiana. you got to beat Penn State. And you got to win at least one, if not two, in the Big Ten tournament, I think, at this point. There's really not much else to 
to go with. Otherwise, you got to have a lot of help with a bunch of other teams hopefully collapsing, you know, a la Creighton or Oklahoma or something like that with any luck. But, uh, yeah, it, it took away any margin we had for error. So it was just it was a bad performance all around. They showed a lot of the, you know, the bad habits the Husker teams of old would have had. Just, you know, bad shot selection, bad rebounding, just big scoring droughts, just – teams that got on fire NBA jam style from the three-point line for a while and it's just yeah anything that we used to do poorly especially like last season just kind of reared its ugly head in that game yeah Illinois was on fire in that first half and that sometimes is hard to go up against you really do need to uh ramp up the defensive effort to kind of break that that out and we they did that in the second half and ultimately went up I think 52 47 and had multiple possessions I'd say two or three where we could have extended that lead. I mean, a, a three-pointer goes in and we're up by by eight, you know, and another shot goes down and we could have had a ten-point lead. But we just didn't make those. Illinois comes back, tightens the game back up, um, and then we just ultimately don't make the plays to win the game um, when you needed it. Uh, Honky, what do you think our magic number is out there, and what's your take on, on either performance we saw in the last week? Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's been the best ball that we played, including last night against Indiana, but but certainly leave it to Boomer to give us, you know, the, the, the dark side of it all. Uh, I'll agree with him that I think the Illinois loss, you know, hurts us with some margin of error. We don't have a lot going forward. But as far as I don't get too much in the RPI stuff because every year that changes a little bit with what they take. And Honky my, likes to watch sports with feeling. He doesn't he actually does. like to look at any data, no analytics whatsoever, just feeling. Just feeling. <laughs> well, and when you think about this here, I mean – I, what I thought all along was that we need to win the first game in the uh, Big Ten tournament. We need to beat Michigan. We need to sweep Michigan. If we sweep Michigan and they're number five and we're number four and we are 23-10 and 10, uh, losing the game after that, whoever we play after Michigan in, in, in New York City. But we've swept right. Michigan. We're 23-10. and 10, We're 13-5 and five in conference. We go 1-1 one and one in the tournament, so we're 14-6 and six overall in conference. I, don't, I guess I'm just not that worried about that. I think that we're in then. And I think that right. we're in because they're going to, what, take four Big Ten teams, and one of them is going to be the fifth-rated team that we've swept. And I guess I get to the point, too, where you know Sam McEwen had that good uh, set of tweets that he, he put out yesterday or right. the other day about you know how there's a history between Big 12 and certain conferences taking more or less. And I'm going to just stay consistent with what I said on a redcast a couple weeks ago. I don't care about the RPI number right now. I think the number is how many – what respect are they giving the Big Ten? If it's four – then I guess, you know, I think you're going to have bigger issues down the road. But I think that the, this conference gets five in. I just do. I see other conferences, the SEC, you know, Arkansas just lost. Uh, Missouri just lost a 12-6 and six Ole Miss. Oklahoma's going down the crapper in a hurry here. So I don't know that there's any other conference, in, even Creighton in the Big East right now, with what, the, with right, what they're not helping going Nebraska. through. There's a number of teams that are also struggling. So we just need to win. I'm more worried right now about Penn State and just beat them. Because sure. Until then, you know, get get better at defensive rebounding. Stop shooting 15 three-pointers in the first half. Those are the kind of things that, you know, are going to make us a better team. When we shoot uh, 15 threes, we end up shooting five free throws. When we shoot seven threes, we shoot 12 free throws in the, you know, and a half. I mean, that's, you can go game by game and you can see the stats. It's it's an inverse kind of thing. So we just need to get better there. I have a question. Go ahead, Mac. Um, As a basketball latecomer. What are the what are the Big Ten tournament victories worth in terms of being selected? Well, from well, if you win the tournament, it's worth a lot because you have an right. But short game. of that, just just short say a couple of that, wins. 
the the situation is if Nebraska is the the four seed, we have it's a double bye, so we don't play on Wednesday or Thursday. We don't play until Friday, and then we have three potential games there. And to Honky's point, we'd be likely and likely it's not guaranteed that we'd play Michigan first, uh, which would potentially be a quality win because it would be a top 30-ish RPI at a neutral site, so that would be a quality win in the eyes of the committee. And then you had two more cracks at quality wins, whether that's Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan State, uh, unless one of those two gets upset. So the biggest knock on the Nebraska resume right now is they haven't beaten good teams. Right, I get that. So suddenly the value is pretty high is what I'm trying to say. Okay, no, that was kind of my question. We could have got got there a lot quicker. It was just (laughs) – No, no, (laughs) No, we have an audience here. Because my question is then – this 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 loss to Illinois can be easily erased with a with a decent victory in the Big Ten championship or in the Big Ten uh, tournament, correct? I, I I would say that a victory in the Big Ten tournament has more value than what the Illinois loss was as yeah. as a, a det- detriment. I, okay, I don't want to downplay. Okay. I don't want to downplay the Illinois loss. I mean, it, you guys set it, the the stage perfect with it. It's the worst loss we've had this year. I do think there was a really good. Uh, mad chatter that Dirk Chadlin had with uh, Bruce Rasmussen, the, the Creighton AD, who is also the, the chairman of the of the NCAA selection committee, and he really broke down how it's a, it goes a lot deeper than quadrants, it goes a lot deeper than just RPIs. That they will go, they will look down at, at a, especially the bubble teams. They will get down to the to the granular, you know, game by game thing of when you beat Minnesota. Minnesota was a good win at home back in December. That's a different Minnesota team than at the end of the year. They will look at a UCF. I think, Dave, you brought it up a week ago. When we lost to UCF, they had a seven foot seven dude on the team. Today they yep. don't. That's a different team. And they'll look at certain things like that, and they'll also look at a loss to Illinois at a, at a key time at the end, too. I mean, I don't want to sugarcoat it. That was a bad loss. But it's also if we end up winning the next game and beating Michigan again so you sweep, you sweep the number five team if we beat Michigan a second time. At that point, I think you're like 11-2, and two, basically, since you've switched to this final starting lineup that we've been playing with now, ever since kind right. of the Jordy right. you know, left. And that's th- those are trends that they factor those in, too. It's, it's not, again, quadrants and all those things. Everything plays in, but that's something that's going to play in, too. And so then at the end of the season, when you're putting resume to resume, you'll look at Oklahoma and Nebraska, and you might say Oklahoma has a better resume in some, in some areas, and they, and they will. And they'll have a worse resume in some areas. And when you look at their last 12 games and Nebraska's last 12 games, we'll stack up well there. So it just it depends on what they're looking for, and it depends on how much they value the the eighth and ninth team in a Big Ten versus a or Big Twelve Boomer, versus us. You know? Boomer, could you help me actually answer one of Honky's questions, which I think was a very good one, and yeah. that was. Oh, what is the Big Ten uh, conference RPI? So RPIs are all compiled by teams, right. and then you can actually rank the conferences. I know that's not exactly how the committee will look at the conference, but that's the best thing we have probably as a proxy right now. Um, and, I mean, the, to your point there, Honk, you, you're right. Logically thinking, uh, they sh- you would think the Big Ten will ultimately get five teams in. Uh, this is a league that's been a seven- or eight-team league mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, but to your point of like, well, if we beat, we finish higher than Michigan in the league standings and we swept them, that means we should get in ahead of Michigan. I think there is precedent out there that that's happened elsewhere and it hasn't resulted in a, in a tournament. Um, Absolutely. Team. So right. there's lots of, lots of examples. Yeah, that's that. the thing. Is to go against that <clears throat> logic. So, yeah. 
Okay, conference um, RPI, best I can tell right now, uh, the rankings. Big Ten would slide in at about sixth, so we're behind the Pac-12 and above the American Athletic Conference in terms of uh, right. conference yeah. RPI. Pac- so we're behind all the big the big fives. So, yeah, the Pac-12 is yeah, an interesting league. They they only have about two locks, and then they have about four teams that are kind of waffling on the bubble there. Mm-hmm. So that's another another league that's kind of like in the Big Ten where you'd expect a stronger showing, but right now it's not good. Yeah. Um, if the I could presid- add anything to – go ahead, Hong. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the president's thing – the precedence is interesting because, I mean, almost no matter what, I mean, we, we could have four different arguments that, that we'd be having. We could each find a, a precedent to probably support it, right? So, I mean, I think Boomer found the really good one with Washington a couple of years ago, which is on the extreme side, but it is but it is a precedence. I mean, it is Correct. an example of a team – what did they do? They won their conference. They yep. had they had the good record and, four and still didn't get won in. the Pac-12 and did not make the tournament. Yeah, and so teams I mean, below them in the conference standings yeah. did. Yep. And then of and then of course the thing that none of us can predict or know right now is what crazy thing is going to happen in somebody's postseason tournament. And if you get one or two teams winning it that aren't supposed to be, then that can start to change things too. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things at play. I mean, when you're on the bubble, it's for a reason, and, and Nebraska's certainly a bubble team. But I just – I feel really confident if Nebraska gets through uh, the next game and then presumably plays Michigan again, and even if they lose the next game, as long as it's a competitive one, we don't lose something by 25 points or something at a, at a bad time. If we're 23-10, and 10, if we're 13-5 and 5 in the Big Big Ten, if we finish fourth and – and, and, and the fifth-seeded fifth Michigan team's going to get in, and we've swept them. I just feel really good about our chances. I, I could be wrong. I've, you know, you've seen my bowl sure. records. Sure. You know, I, 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 <laughs> that's true. I would think that, um, I guess, it, you're talking about being concerned or being confident. I mean, and, and Boomer started this conversation pointing out some of the, the faults or flaws of what the team has shown the last two games. And, I think that's probably my biggest concern more than anything is so James Palmer has struggled just a little bit the last two games in particular in Illinois um, in specific, I guess. And we were running a lot of offense through James Palmer Jr. and scoring and counting on him to score 28 points a game all of a sudden. And um, even though he's capable of doing that, uh, defenses can also start to change and key in on him. And if we don't have Glenn Watson or Anton Gill, I know we don't want to make too many threes, but we got to make a couple of threes because mm-hmm. if we aren't, defenses in Illinois showed this. They started to, to bow in a little bit, and it's a lot easier to defend those driving lanes when you're only 16 or 18 feet from the hoop opposed to 20 or 21 feet from the hoop. And that's harder for James Palmer or Glenn Watson or, or Evan Taylor to drive into the hole and get fouled and get to the line. And so if we're not making some of those threes early in those games and it's not James Palmer Jr., it's someone else doing it, that, that uh, it, it makes the offense work so much better for everyone. And that, that's my concern right now is we need Glenn Watson and, and Gill and even Copeland to make sure they're hitting a few of those threes to open up our offensive playbook. Mm-hmm. If it's not, no, I, then I, it's going to get tougher. I agree, and, and last night I think I tweeted out with like four minutes left in the first half. I think we were two of eleven from the three point line at that point, and I agree, Dave. We've got to we have to be better when we are shooting it. At the same time, I think my point there was to put it in perspective: we're two of eleven, and when we beat Michigan by twenty points, the best win we had all season, we were five of eleven the entire game, 
And so right. we ended up with 15 three-pointers in the first half alone. Thankfully, I think we, we ended up with only 21 or 22. So, I mean, we cut that second half number in half. And in the process of cutting it in half, we doubled the amount of free throws uh, opportunities that we had. And and if you go back to a number of the games that we've played, that's been the consistent. It, you said I didn't like to, to look through some of the stats. Those are the stats that, that I, right. I will look at. And and it's kind of the inverse thing. And, and I think sometimes we just – it's harder, especially the way that the Big Ten, some of the refs are calling these games and allowing a lot of contact, which I think will yeah. benefit us down the road because, I mean, we're it's the, it's the there's some tough physical – play being played right now but we've got to attack the rim we can't just keep there are times we just sit there and we lie i think uh uh watson last last night i think we were on a we had like a fast break going and we had the we had the numbers and even the btn guy said you know watson stopped and popped a three missed it and he's like you got to take that to the to the rim and and we just get so comfortable shooting them and and you're looking at the stats going we're three of 15 let's stop for a second you know? yeah. And honestly, I, I don't want to pick too much on Glenn Watson, uh, but another example of that was in the Illinois game late. I think we were only down three, and he has a kind of another um, fast break situation, and he pops a three again, and we, we, we miss it. He's not hit, not hitting those shots right now, so he should mm-hmm. not be looking for them. Isaac Copeland was running down the court and was setting up in the corner, which is his sweet spot. He loves the corner three. Watson needs to distribute that ball. Yep. He doesn't that know was, you think that, I need Dave, to Dave, I totally that agree with you. I saw, that yep. was the biggest thing I thought about. The, the first part of that game, we could have easily taken that over had the right guys gotten the ball. And, yeah. and Colpin was one of the guys who had proved he was already scoring. And like you said, Glenn has just been struggling. And for whatever reason, he was pressing and struggling that first part of the game. And it just kept it close. I feel like we could have blown him out quick and been done with it. And mm-hmm. he, I don't know. He just insisted on the shooting. You were a more was, talented team overall, and we didn't yeah. really take advantage of that's, that. That's one thing, you know, with, with James Palmer Jr., when he's not shooting as well, I feel like this team struggles to find somebody to lead it. But I also think, as you're watching Roby come along, that kid's becoming more and more of a leader, and he's starting to call for the ball, and he's starting to drive a little bit more, and he's finishing. You know, that's yep. the big thing. He's finishing, and he's good at the line. You yep. know, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch. So, but the... But the thing is, until they find some leadership, because because Watson's just struggling too much, you know, to be well, to be trying to put up that kind of game, he needs to distribute, and then some guys need to call for the ball. And when those are all clicking, that'll be that'll be hard to stop. Yeah, but, but Watson's got to stop forcing the ball up. And I'll 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 double down one more time on the defensive rebounding. That's been an issue, and it's continued to be one. But to to flip it over to the positive side too. How about you know, Roby, some of the tip-outs and the offensive rebounds that we got last night? That was key to getting some extra shots, some extra possessions. How about, you know, here I'll ask the question uh, to you guys. Who was the MVP last night? You know, if you could if you could name someone, who would you name? Boomer? Copeland. Oh, okay. Max says Copeland. Boomer? Or Sorry. Oh, boy. Uh, well, that's a tough one off the top of my head. Yeah, they were – Copeland had 13. Yeah, Copeland had 13. Rope. I think who else had. There were a couple Rope of games. had 11 and 9. And I the mean, guy Taylor just had a sneaky good game. I mean, the guy I'm thinking I, of, Roby and Taylor, I think. Jump I, I know where hockey's going about. with this. I yeah. think you say in Jordy. I, I wasn't even going to say Jordy. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Evan Taylor. Evan I was going to say Taylor or, you had a couple you know, of key points. or Roby would be the two I would think, you know. Uh, Roby's, Taylor kind of took charge pissed. towards the end when somebody needed to step up make a few plays. And Roby, too, he had a big three yeah. towards the end of the game that really kind of. You know, he calls for that ball over. out there. 
Yeah. He looks completely comfortable shooting it from out there. Yeah, sometimes he really does. And, you know, if Jordy could develop anything resembling a touch for a shot, yeah. you know, he could, he'd be a great, you know, he'd be a huge asset in there. But, man, it just. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a he's couple of post struggled. moves, but, boy, when he's not yeah. prepared to shoot, uh, he doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks like me shooting, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, but uh, as he gets stronger good. down there, he's going to be hard to stop. And that kid's a worker. Boy, he's, he's just. He's, he gets better every game, and his and he's. You know what I like about him on defense too. He does not bite on pump fakes. His arms are long enough, man. You see people try to get him off his feet, and it's rare. It is rare that they get him off his feet. Hmm. Good stuff. So man. I mean, Good I think. Stuff. Yeah. I see a lot of I guys. Got a here. Just just keep winning. I'll keep talking. Yeah. I see All a right, lot of guys that are stepping up. You know, I see different players. Uh, Watson played pretty well overall, I thought last night, but definitely Taylor stepped up. We've seen different guys. Roby, Copeland, that have taken on the scoring lead when, when Palmer hasn't. So this is just a deeper overall team. I, it's a little bit of a broken record. I've said this before, but it, that's the thing that makes me feel like – I think, Dave, you've said this a number of times. At some point, some of this doesn't just become RPI and quadrant. Some of it is when the, the committee looks at a team, they look at them and go, can you win a game in the NCAA tournament? And the more that we have guys that are deep and different guys that can step up and different guys that can show they can make that big shot and, and all that, that's the thing that makes me start to look at this Nebraska team. And, and, and objectively, as a, as a Nebraska ball fan that has never seen us win uh, you know, a, a NCAA tournament team or game, I can look at this. Well, that would be every Nebraska team. fan, though. So but what I'm saying is I can see this team, I can see this team winning a game. This is the team I can see actually doing it. I think I think it yeah, has no, that depth. It has the the amount, the ability to score. We didn't play well last night against a good Indiana team. That team won four straight. That team has some talented young guys, and they're they starting do. to play pretty good. We did not play a good game, and we should have won by double digits. They we were up by eleven, you know, and they made that last shot. Right. We were up, but right. should have won by eleven. The bench mob was going crazy last night. The bench mob, Mac. What do you think about the bench mob, man? I think if it's an idea to get more eyes on the program to make the committee think we're an exciting team that should be in the tournament, <laughs> brilliant. It's brilliant. The more eyes on them, the better. You know, hey, this Nebraska team, maybe we should look at an exciting ball. And you got these goofballs on the bench. But yeah, but where does it end, guys? Where does it end? <laughs> if they could get Honky out there helping row or something, that'd be nice. <laughs> if they can catch me or carry me like they do the other guys, that would be that would be quite the, the feat. Where uh, does it end? Yeah. <laughs> nice, Mac. All right, guys. So, all right. So, what we have to look forward to: Penn State Sunday night, and then uh, hopefully, if we win that, we'll be playing, and not till Friday of the following week, uh, with a, a pretty exciting. A weekend, hopefully, of basketball if we could win in that first game. So uh, that's that's where we stand, and then we have to sit around and, and wait for a week to see if we're in the tournament. So thanks, Jim Delaney. <laughs> All because of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, we boy. will be the number four seed. We will be the number four. Honky seed is in the, predicting in the, big the four yep. seed. He's calling a shot Excellent. now. That's impressive. Calling a shot. Calling a shot. All right, sounds good. Hopefully, is it so? Is it a no sit Sunday? Yes, it is. Supposedly, they've. They've actually put it out. Are they promoting it as a no-sit Sunday? Eh, might as well. What else are they going to do? So, yeah, we got to do something. Yeah, yeah. Get, I'm get hoping excitement. they do. Yep. Take the right. chairs out. Don't even have them in there. Let's tear them oh, up. That's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. Don't have a choice. So. <laughs> sure that'd go over well with some of the boosters. Oh, they'll be fine. <laughs> uh, 
It's good for their legs to stretch every now and then. That's right. That's right. I have to admit, I was at the Wisconsin No Sit Sunday with Anki. It was probably the funnest Nebraska basketball game I've been in in a long, long time. So um, hopefully they can bring that, that type of energy. And uh, I mean, if it if it's that that crazy in there, I, I do feel pretty confident we're going to win that game because Penn State doesn't play in front of that that often. So scarlet colored glasses. All right, guys. Next on the Go Big Red Cast, let's uh, put on our scarlet colored glasses and talk all things Husker football because you know it's just a random February day, and that's what we do here on the uh, Go Big Red Cast. You know, I was uh, actually listening to some. Uh, Denver Broncos talk out here in uh, the Denver Metro. You can talk Denver's Broncos football 24-7 in this state. It's unavoidable. They will, they, will, they will talk about the most ridiculous, minute things, like like every person on the 53-man roster, your, I mean, the potential to draft some random linebacker out of Boise State. I mean, they just the Nuggets will don't make move stuff the needle up. out there, Dave? Is that... And so we should fill... Uh, validate that we can talk about anything want we want here on the on the Go Big Red cast um, related to Husker football, and I think our uh, fine journalists uh, in the state of Nebraska also take this time of year to like expand their repertoire of what to talk about, right, and who to interview, and what type of questions they they ask. And um, uh, one example, we had a great interview with uh, Tom Chattel with Bill Moose, uh, learning a lot about maybe his vision for Husker football in the future. Uh, a lot of other stuff going around. Hockey, uh, what do you think uh, Bill Moose is, is talking about with Tom Chattel there regarding maybe some improvements to Memorial Stadium and uh, and the whatnot? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that, that gets discussed right now is obviously we're doing pretty well from an athletic department um, financially. And there's going to be – we can't just turn around and flaunt it. I mean, there's – uh, certain fiscal issues that the state is having, but we so we just can't doing, rain money down on people. Are you telling me? Yeah, and damn it. And so a couple of the things that 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 come out of that is you know part of the conversation yeah with with uh, Chattel is probably right now isn't the right time to maybe add uh, a sport like hockey. So he did mention no hockey, and I think Boomer that makes him uh, that makes him unhappy. But he did talk about some of the things you could do with Memorial Stadium and and uh, specifically on the north and the south sides. Uh, trying to get some escalators in there, getting ways to get people up to the top. And we've certainly talked about that in the past, about th- certain things you could do on those sides to make uh, make things a little bit more you know, fan-friendly, make the amenities a little bit nicer there. Uh, he also mentioned uh, no alcohol at Memorial Stadium, which, you know. That also when you're, makes Boomer unhappy. What, there's no alcohol at Memorial <laughs> Stadium now? Oh, we're no, saying this, uh, everybody's just sneaking stuff in. I understand. Yeah, right. no legal sold alcohol, at oh. least in Memorial Stadium. Right, and, right. you know, part of the point behind that is is that I guess when you're, I don't know, when you're selling sixty nine or 70000 or getting 60000 70000 whatever the uh, Sam McEwen article was, when you're getting that Scan many people tickets. show up like last year, maybe alcohol is something to entice people there. But we've kind of made the big change getting Zing. crossed here. And Ooh. now you sell, <laughs> but you get frosted. Now you're selling out the uh, the spring game, and there probably isn't quite the need to have alcohol in the stadium as an enticement to get people there. They're gonna they're gonna show up. So that was well, that sounds kind of the big though. hit. You don't because it kind of makes alcohol seem like a desperation move, and you'd rather not be in a position to make a desperation move. 
Yeah, I'd rather, if they wanted to add alcohol, add it because they feel like their fans are adults and can actually, like, you know, drink responsibly, et cetera, which we all know is not the case because at least he's had the tailgate and binge drinks beforehand. But, uh, I think I've done it once or <laughs> that, twice. That's the reason to add it, not because it bring more people into the, in the crowd, right? I, I would say you'd add it because people actually aren't adults and they drink a boatload at tailgating yeah. so that they can get as drunk as they can because they know they have to stop at the game. And if you knew you could continue it on, I mean, we all went, or Dave, you and I went to the uh, Ohio State debacle a year ago in Columbus. Yeah, they sure. sell alcohol in the stands and we still didn't pace ourselves, but but at least we knew that once we got into the game, we Speak could continue yourself. to drink. That's, that's yeah. interesting. You're saying if they could just maintain a buzz, it may be more safe yeah, the beers are expensive uh, yeah. at Ohio State. You only get through, I don't know, halfway through the third quarter or something like that. Maybe it wasn't it like you were going to drink that much there. But it did yeah. change your tailgating because you were like, oh, I can have another one at the end. Right. The yeah. Stadium. And the it's a drinking grain belt in Minnesota, and it's you don't really want to drink a whole lot of that anyway. So, no, you know, yeah, no. Yeah. And the prices is a terrible beer at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, and the prices they had at the Ohio State game, I mean, I think we we fully funded one of their departments there, <laughs> architecture or something, is fully funded by just our beer sales from that one game alone. So, I mean, I, what were they, like 10 bucks or 12 bucks of beer? It was ridiculous. So, um, that seems high. That seems high. Yeah. They were tall boys, though. I mean, unless it's like a microbrew. <laughs> now, McEwen did talk about um, – I guess this was in an article. McEwen had uh, talked about how NU averaged basically less than 70,000 actually scanned tickets. He focused on last season, but really I was a little more shocked. It went back a couple of seasons. He was showing like 2016. Even then we were getting like 64,000 scanned tickets in for that Maryland game a year ago with, you know, Armstrong playing and everything. That was the game that won our ninth game that year. So I was a little surprised because, I mean, what is our actual – capacity are we 85 like the actual seats and then you know when you add the the 5,000 6,000 7,000 people that that are working there the teams those people don't get scanned but they count against it but like what is our actual capacity because some of those scanned tickets most of them are in the 60s to around 70 kind of mid 70s and I just thought that that number seemed pretty low and that was consistent over the last two years all right Mac uh, what's your take on this uh, you know, that was interesting when I saw those. I, I, You know, I had an idea that the numbers weren't quite, you know, what announced were. But I, it's interesting in a way, but I still think for what the product that the that the team was putting out there, those numbers are actually pretty fair. No big deal because Frost Effect is uh, – I can't wait to see next year's numbers. I'm pretty sure that scan ticket number is going to go pretty high. And, you know, Mac, when uh, he cares so much, it's such an old saying, but it's true. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it is going to be a very different thing. Boomer, uh, you've been in the, um, almost all those home games, right? I mean, what, what was your visual check out there? Like when you're seeing, you know, hearing these scan ticket numbers uh, from Sam McEwen of 69,000 and supposedly we have 89,000 in the stadium. Do you really see 20,000 empty seats? Uh, or, or 20,000 really seemed kind of hard to, to spot. Granted, I, I would usually sit on the east side way up in the upper deck, so it could always be kind of, you know, I didn't get the full view of that side of the stadium where there's a lot of seats. But, 
you know, you'd see pretty good empty spaces in both North and South Stadium. You know, the students would have some, you know, gaps up at the top because I'm sure they're all off studying and things like that. But and a lot of them are probably, you know, they're probably condensing themselves in. So there's some packing going on there. I think they're moving down from those upper level seats and all kind of piling in together. And you there's would heat and numbers. And you would see, you know, empty seats on the on the west side there and the and the high price seats. May they may be all inside enjoying, you know caviar and properly heated Fairbury hot dogs, but, uh, you know, maybe they're inside for a lot of the game, I don't know, but, you know, there were clearly, you know, gaps in the stadium that, you know, I don't recall seeing back in the day in the 90s or, you know, early 2000s even, but, yeah, so you can tell that the sellout, you know, heavier too. yeah, sellout in attendance was clearly something different, you know, they were they would announce the 80-some thousand and everyone would cheer, hooray, yeah, I mean, this is not no, the first time that we we had lots of games where you, in the in years past, towards the end of the Callahan era, you, there were lots of games where there were clearly huge gaps in the stadium. Yeah, the tickets were sold. People weren't there. Like McGuire says, the frost effect will fix this as long as he wins. If if you win, people show up. I mean, Purdue showed a big rise in attendance this year. Why are they winning again? Or they're, they're trending in the right direction. So if you win, that solves a lot of attendance issues. Right. And, uh, Basketball is a perfect example. As soon as the basketball team starts doing well, man, that's a hot ticket, you know. And we're not a basketball school. It, this, the one thing about Nebraska fans is we are so ready to cheer for our teams. It is just show us a little love on the field, be competitive, be somebody we want to cheer for, and we'll go crazy for you. I mean, that's the beauty. Of, and really, and, and guys, not to go way off on a tangent on this one, but when you talk about recruiting with these guys. You know, in this in this day and age of parody, and everybody's got the same facilities, and everybody's got, you know, this this everyone's on TV. You know, everyone's in a big conference. You know, you can get to the playoffs. The one thing that we have that these teams can't create is is a fan base like what we have. You know, and that can be sold, and that can be you know. So just yeah. play a little. Yeah. Just give yeah, us a little bit, guys. Yeah, I mean, basketball is a good example there, Mac. You just yeah. mentioned. I mean, we're better this year, but we, we've been, you know putting a lot of people into PBA with a pretty average product on the on the court and you know the Big Ten Network really has taken notice of that those guys love talking about Nebraska basketball as being an underrated place to go watch a game because they're just like I mean you watch us play Penn State uh, last month the place was empty right and then it's going to be crazy there on Sunday uh, so uh, I, I think there's a valid point there, and I think we're going to find out, I guess, <laughs> what the actual uh, seated capacity memorial is um, if we get a scan ticket uh, um, report again next year from Sam McKee. Yeah, well, Honky? hey, we may even need two spring games right here. But, uh, no, I mean, Mac, you <laughs> brought right. up the, the recruiting thing, and, and there has been a little bit of recruiting talk here in the last week, too, since our last show. One of them, there was a story from Land of Ten, and it was Moose, about Athletic Director Moose being heavily involved in the recruiting process. And I think that's really important that, you know, he's basically the the point of that story was how he has gotten heavily involved where he'll show up at a number of different, whether it's recruiting events or he'll sit down, he'll talk with, with recruits and how that the effect that that has on them where they know that they have sat down, they've talked with the guy, and, and that it's important to the athletic director enough to be involved um, and that's not something that happens at every place. I think that's something that's really cool. I mean, this guy, we've talked about the the frost effect, but I think the moose effect. This guy really, he's invested. He's not just here to, you know, sunset off the last four or five years of his career. This guy wants to, he's going to do everything he can to make this program as good as it possibly can be. And that, that involves hiring the right people, but then 
He'll give he'll throw his support any way he possibly can to help him out. I mean, who wouldn't want to work for that guy? If you're a coach, why would who would not want to work for Bill Moose? Yeah, no, that, that is impressive. I think it's a really good point of recruiting. I don't know how many other ads do that um, or think about their role in that way, but I think you're right. I mean, there's these kids are kids; they're impressionable. And uh, when you know the athletic director is taking time out of his busy schedule to sit down with you and find out how you fit into the future of Nebraska football, et cetera, that's got to have some impact, at least on the kids you actually want, right? If mm-hmm. it doesn't have an impact, you probably don't, don't want that type of kid, right? Mm-hmm. So, Or maybe Moose just isn't that yeah, busy today. I don't know what he does. Well, he's done all the hard work, Boomer. He get, you know, now he can just sit back that's and do true. some of this. Back, feet up um, that's desk. what a good manager does, right? You know, he's like, never he been this far all down the, other the line stuff. before in his career. You know, every other place he's had to kind of build up to this point in terms of facility and support and and you know, uh, funding and whatnot. You know, he's in a place now where he gets to maybe be a little more creative and aggressive. Like he starting to see the yeah. seeds of that as well. The guy seems pretty equipped for the job. Yeah, he can, oh, he can do some crazy, like start a hockey team here or something like that. But, yeah. oh, <laughs> Stop well, it. Well, no. Hey, no. all in due time, hey, Boomer. Boomer. All in Boomer, due time. Let, let's compromise. If if we can induct the Baron into the Hall of Fame, uh, Baron Von Reschke, the, 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 the wrestling guy, would that at least be something that, if I could throw that I think that would that be a very you. nice gesture on his part. Yeah, I think that would be, that would a, be a nice a, gesture. A, a, good, a good faith effort there on Moose's part to... Uber, just yeah. really quick. Build a hashtag, dude. This is a side note. This is a side note, but you have actually been helping to promote the Baron to get elected into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, is with any correct? luck. Uh, yeah, we did uh, reach out to university, and hopefully he, he, they said he is up for consideration this year, so hopefully we'll see where that goes. He's He's been right, added to the list results. of people to consider, so we'll see what happens this year. I, I think you need to mm-hmm. – I hear you. Well, I hear you. Launch that social yeah, media so campaign. If you'd yeah. like to, yeah, feel free just to contact your friendly neighborhood Husker Twitter feed, I guess. Why not? You know, yeah. Now, is he the inspiration for the pizza? Is that the same Baron? <laughs> is it, is it no, it is sadly a different Baron. Although he did do that some pizza the, commercials for – I thought maybe that was in Nebraska. Uh, I think Bernatello's Pizza, I believe, up in uh, the greater Minneapolis area, so – Back in the day. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great stuff. Well, but to the point uh, of Moose there, I mean, I think uh, <laughs> you mentioned, like, does he have extra time because he's helping with re- recruiting? <laughs> well, let's just let's just talk. He could be on this podcast if he wants. We'd be more than happy to it have would him be wonderful. Yeah. Um, how about this? Uh, this stat is a couple of days old now, so there's a few more numbers added to this. but And it was called the Frost Effect, but really I think it's the Moose Effect. In the last 30 days of Husker sports, and it included, like, wrestling and gymnastics and men's and women's tennis, softball, men's and women's basketball, baseball, at one point we were 44-6 and six overall across all of those sports. Now, like I said, there's been a couple more games since then. But the point is, things are going pretty good right now. If you're Moose, if you're Athletic Director Moose and you've, you've done the hard work, you've fixed the, the football stuff, right? You've hired the right guy, and right now you're, you're kind of letting these other seasons, you know, play themselves out. Yeah, things are going pretty good, and it's great that he can, uh, you know, with that extra time that he has, then he can dedicate it to helping with the uh, recruiting. He can help it with uh, going out and talking to boosters. That's awesome. One last thing on recruiting. This is a uh, there was a quote from Davidson, Matt Davidson, and he talked. He was talking, I think, to some boosters in Lincoln last week, and when talking about this staff, he said, "If they like a kid's film, but not the kid, they won't offer." They don't just watch the highlight films. They watch the entire game of the recruits. They want guys who can complete, compete on every play. And I, I think about that. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. 
It's not just about okay, so the kid's some five star kid, but but if they don't like the kid, if they like the film, but the kid's going to be a problem for whatever reason, they're not going to offer. And then they don't just watch the highlight film, and that's something we have eight million Husker recruitniks out there that watch two plays of a huddle film. And they go, this guy, you have to offer him. He's unbelievable. Well, every highlight film looks good. That's the adjective there of highlight is the, <laughs> the don't lose of track yeah. of that. It's highlights. It's their best plays. Mm-hmm. You have to look deeper than that. You look at the last play of the game when they're down by 30 points and see if the kid's still competing or not. Those are the things that you look at. And I love the fact that, that Davison highlighted that. They want guys that can compete every play. So if we feel like he highlighted over the, it. And then he highlighted <laughs> And over the course of the next year or two and three, as we get those those recruiting classes full, those kind of players from start to finish, I mean, that's if that, those are the kind of kids that we're getting, I think we're going to be pretty happy, regardless of star rankings and all that good stuff. What did you think about that, Davidson? Uh, he had a, tons of quotes. Uh, he was speaking in front of, like you said, a, a, a boost group of some sort. I mean, talking about flipping the roster and a bunch of stuff about – what he um, you know saw in the program. I mean, that was a a, a rich um, rich content there from Davidson. And maybe the bigger question is, is what do you think uh, Davidson's role will be going forward? You know, I mean, it's just interesting how much how much he actually shed light on on the program. I guess. Well, you know? I just I just think he's just really frank about things. And when you think back, you know, I think it was Michael Severe on on the bottom line uh, show that he does. He put a compilation of audio clips together of Matt Davison over the course of the, the 2017 season. You know, literally almost from Arkansas State back and then all the way through. And it, it was very harsh. It was 10, 12, 13 clips of him being very harsh about the team at times that quite honestly deserved to be harsh. And now all of a sudden he's no longer a radio guy. He's the assistant athletic director of football. So, you know, when he comes out now and he's made statements that, that he's made – I mean, he's serious about getting it fixed. He's He was serious about getting the right guy here. <laughs> he played a role in getting the head coach yep. here. Um, they're going to get fixed. And so, you know, it, some of the statements, I know he talked about flipping the roster, and I've heard people say, you know, how would you feel if you were a player on the team? I'd feel like be one, be one of the guys that, that's helping flip the roster. Whether you were on the team last year or not, be one of the guys that flips the roster. Be the guy that puts on the 12 pounds. Be the guy that takes off the 30 pounds. Be the guy that, that is doing whatever it takes, whatever the coaching staff's asking of you. Be that guy. You, you can help flip the roster and still be a guy that was on the team last year too. That you know, That's how I would take it if I was a player. Sure, but, yeah, but, yeah, be a, a different But there is no BS. I mean, there is, they are, they're cutting right to it, and I think that's going to be the thing. We always talked about this actually with Riley. When he got here and there was all the mess of the Pliny era getting done, it was like, oh, don't don't come off and tick off the team or don't do this. It might take a year or two to get through players. These guys are coming in and they're like, we are going to we're going to we're going to say it straight. We're going to tell people what needs to be done. If you're not going to abide by it, you're probably not going to be here. And I think that's the thing that's going to get this thing turned around the fastest. And uh, and also get it started off right from the beginning. Yeah, that's fair to say. It's a completely different approach than Riley. And well, I mean, it, it's got to hopefully turn out better, right? It can't turn out much worse yeah. than what, what what we just went through. So around the Van Horn, uh, just talk a little bit about baseball. Mac, don't fall asleep. Uh, but the Huskers did actually McGuire's second quiet time. <laughs> this I'm, I'm going to come to you first for baseball your... bandwagon. Super regional, regional here parting I come. shot, buddy. So, 
be ready. Um, we did go three and one over the weekend. So congratulations, Husker baseball team, for actually starting the season on a high note. Uh, won our first two, I believe, right um, against Washington State and UC Riverside. Uh, lost game three and then came back, um, beat Washington State again to go three and one. And uh, you know, I mean, it was not a perfect start, but the starting pitching I think delivered somewhere around about five innings each each outing, which is kind of when you. Start the season. That's about what you'd expect. Uh, Luis Alvarado had a lot of strikeouts. Did he have like nine strikeouts? I think mm-hmm. something like that. In his uh, his only uh, four and two thirds. Uh, so as he builds up um, his endurance and, and pitches a few more innings per out, and that would be a phenomenal uh, strikeout um, per inning ratio. There, uh, guys. Any any quick takes on Husker baseball? Schreiber hit a home run. Others are starting to hit. So it was a good start. Yeah, the start was good, so definitely the you know the best start of the you know uh, the era we've had. So that's definitely a plus. Uh, you know, going forward, you know, uh, you know Palker getting injured that certainly is not helpful. You know, he's out for the season with Tommy John surgery. I mean, that happens almost <laughs> every year, though. Yeah. So you know, it, it does. It's not helpful. Yeah, you're we right. Just, but you we know, already lost. Are anything to start, and it's not a great uh, great jump yeah. with that. Uh, you know, this next weekend's. Is a big chance to make you know a stride, or you know probably our best chance in non-conference to really do something and really you know separate ourselves and hopefully you know build a resume. You've got Boomer. Who are you referring to on our <laughs> schedule? Uh, well, we've got uh, first off Utah. Um, you know, so there's that. And uh, yeah, the, the big question is: Are the Oregon State Beavers our uh, second-ranked team in the nation, yes. and they looked good? And their first weekend, I think they went four and zero, if I remember correctly. And I remember they played Gonzaga and Cal Poly and somebody else. Top of my head, I don't remember who it was. So they're yeah, they're good. It's going to so be that's, a chore. That's going to be tough. And Utah, Utah struggled actually. They got swept by Oral Roberts. I think uh, yeah, lost three games in a row to them. Now Oral Roberts isn't a pushover either. They're and. Uh, I think they're picked to finish first in the Televangelist League or the Summit League or whatever they're in. They're in the Summit. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're we traditionally actually, a decent we baseball play team, them too. Later. So, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. fool around with them. Their batting yeah, we, has been quiet. They haven't, Utah didn't look great in that outing. So, yeah, you want to try to – I think you got to at least try to maybe see if you can get two. God forbid if you can get three wins this weekend, that would be outstanding. Yeah, Two is what I think you can honestly yeah. hope for. I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get one from Oregon like State, you I think you in good shape. You should be able to get at least one from Utah. If you can, if you can come yeah, out of this we, weekend with that, I think I'd be all right with that. Yeah, we play Oral Roberts later in the year too. We do. So, I mean, yeah. it, but um, look, I mean, we lost to Oregon State one time, one to zero last year. I mean, we said this last week. We need to just to flip that number around and win yeah. one of the games, and that yeah. should be more than. I think that I don't think that's an impossible thing to task is a split with Oregon State and we need to play these kind of teams. We we've talked about how the Big 12 or Big 10 as as a as a conference, if we think it's not looked favorably upon in basketball, look at it in baseball right now. We need to play these games. So, these are very important. It was great to get off to that 3-1 start uh, from an individual standpoint. I look at a guy like Jesse Wilkening. I mean, a year ago in 50 games he had one home run and 22 RBIs in four games. So far this year he's had one home run and and eight RBIs. He's almost, you know, He's over one-third of the RBIs that he had the entire season last year. Yeah. So that's a good start. We need guys like that. Dave, absolutely to your point, it, it absolutely stinks to lose a guy like Palkert. 
pitching, but it does feel like every year this happens. So, and and to uh, Erstad's credit, I mean, he never there's n- never an excuse or anything, and he came out and he's like, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about us playing good, and somebody else will step up. And but uh, I thought this was a really good start. It's what we needed to have. Three and one is by far feels like the best start that we've had kind of in that this recent era and uh and this weekend let's let's get a win that that maybe people don't think we're going to get let's at least get one of them yeah no the oregon state if you just get that one win that would um have a huge impact on your rpi going forward in the season um it's our best opportunity to build that resume uh quick side note actually on the loss that we had I, I was reading the the game notes. Didn't really re- realize that UC Riverside is coached by uh, Troy Percival, uh, who is a uh, former teammate of Darren Erstad's with the California Angels. He was a closer for the Angels. He was on several other teams, and um, uh, he was an alum of UC Riverside. And the pitcher that we lost to in that game three was his son Cole Percival so if there's anything to take from that is that um, if if his son has any of the arm talent that Troy Percival has uh, we, we we lost a pretty darn good pitcher there at, against UC Riverside so um, at that and, and we'll likely be playing UC Riverside in the non-conference for years to come <laughs> because I, I could imagine that Erstad and, and uh, Percival uh, want to go drink a few beers after those games anyway, so they'll schedule each other all the time. Way to Fair dig enough. deeper yeah. into the loss there, Dave. Yeah, Best thank you. Thank you. That's, that's what I'm here for. All right, guys. Uh, you ready for some parting Let's shots? All right. Well, I went to uh, my insurance guy, and he was uh, – he said he was glad he wasn't following my football picks. Uh, so it's been uh, uh, <laughs> been a while since I'd seen him. So apparently that was the first thing he goes. You're still doing that podcast? I go, yeah. And he's like, yeah, your football picks are terrible. So I've dropped him. Um, <laughs> aside from that, aside from that, because uh, that wasn't positive. How about leave us a positive review? And you can do that by going on to iTunes and. Leaving the, the show a nice review, uh, give us a positive one, and uh, that helps us out a lot, and we really would appreciate that. All right, a pitch for positive reviews. How about Boomer? What do you uh, got? Well, I don't need any positive reviews, I think, for us. I think uh, we're doing great, but uh, I just like Honky said, we might as well uh, let's get something rolling in the offseason here, and I think uh, the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame picks usually come out sometime in the spring, so... If you do want to help out, you can certainly uh, tweet at him, and uh, let's do hashtag and duck the Baron. Let's get him in there. All right. I like it. I like it. And, uh, yeah, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. GBR. Penn State.